I still really do not want to talk about Universe Beyond. I mean, too too bad. It's the same thing every time. It's the yeah, same thing. This time it's Marvel. No, it doesn't matter. It's literally the same thing. <laughs> it does matter. Of course it matters. It's an even bigger deal this time. Yeah, it's not identical to the last time we talked about it or the time before that. It's kind of not. It is It is more offensive this time. I. It doesn't really matter. Like it, the level of offensiveness past a certain point is just like irrelevant to me. Like I have I have fun things to talk about on this episode. There's a lot of fun, cool stuff in magic. Yeah, I okay, so I got my like little like TikTok videos edited with the stuff we talked about last time. And it took me an extra day because I was like working on other stuff. And so I have the things like all of our takes on the play boosters. And it's like nobody even remembers that that happened now. So why even post the videos at this point? Doesn't matter for no. so so I can see myself on the internet. That's the real. I mean, I I will still post the videos, but they they definitely feel outmoded by now. Yeah, I mean, I don't even remember having radical takes about the boosters at all. No, but we just had, you know, opinions as we, we generally we had do. takes. Yeah, of course. I have to have to put them out there. The takes will not stop, even if morale improves. Yeah, what is a podcast but a miserable pile of takes? <laughs> hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 315 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Apple. With me is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hi, Chris. Fresh off of CubeCon. Glad to yeah, have you back. Yeah, from sunny, well, wintry Madison, mm-hmm. Wisconsin. Yep. It wasn't a true winter because uh, winter in Madison is, you know, it snows all the time. Mm-hmm. It was just like... North Carolina winter where yeah, it was cold. Bad. It could be you, you could definitely do worse at the end of October in Wisconsin. So but yeah, it was it was perfectly reasonable. That's good. And the cubing was good. Well we'll go into detail later, but just want to make sure. The cubing was the best. Um, I know that some people haven't cubed before, even you know, just chilling, listening to our podcast, but it is well worth doing. It, it I know it's like you have to find someone with a cube and you have to have like seven friends to cube with. It's not as easy to play as commander. Yeah. Like organizationally, but it is just the best form of magic. It is. I, it is my ideal way to play. Definitely had some FOMO from this weekend, but you know, I'll, I'll live vicariously through you once we get to that portion of the podcast. Just come next year. I will. Yeah. I I just couldn't make it this year, but I, I would like to come next year if I can. It was great. I didn't even do that well because I, for reasons we'll go into, I'll, I'll give like a, a play-by-play of my little little event. <laughs> Great. Well, but first, we do have a thing to talk about, which is just completely overshadowing like all news that has happened over the past couple of weeks, including like play boosters are a thing, and like previews are starting for Caverns of Ixalan, and also, I, I don't know. Like, whatever other stuff has happened. I can't even remember it now because now we know that we are getting a 
Marvel-based universes beyond. We know that there's going to be commander decks. There's going to be, I I believe, like two, like more more than one set, and it appears that it's probably going to be modern legal. Although we don't know that for sure, but it it seems like that's very likely to be the case. Is that it's a Lord of the Rings style, you know, full set at least. It was described in the press release as a keynote set, like whatever that is, which yeah. sounds like a modern type legal set, like you'd care about it. But again, just no one has any idea. Yeah, I think we have to assume that they're going to do kind of the same thing they did with Lord of the Rings, except bigger with it because it's an even bigger IP. So also it said that it was coming out in 2025. And for background, if anyone is not closely following all the universes beyond or magic release schedule because how can you possibly keep all that information in your mind mm-hmm. i cannot uh, I've done I the do work not. for you <laughs> this is like the, this is all like what i spend most of my time thinking about and i just like i let the sets come out when they come out and i just don't worry about it final fantasy comes out in 2025 in the summer mm-hmm. which means that in 2025 there will be both a final fantasy set and a marvel set Wow. And we know the Final Fantasy set is modern legal. So like that's going to be wild if both of them are modern legal and they come out within like four months of each other. That is nuts. Yeah. Cloud Strife blocking Captain America, huh? Yeah. I have not seen anyone discuss this particular feature of the the calendar, probably because no one can possibly remember it. Put it it. together. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's kind of spooky, though. I'm not in love with that fact. It's a wild one. Yep. Because <laughs> Modern Horizons is next year. Modern Horizons 3. And the year mm-hmm. after that was Final Fantasy. And they said Marvel was happening at the same time. So I'm like, wait a second. Dude, by the end of 2025, we're just not going to be playing any of the cards in Modern that we're playing right now. I, I cannot believe that. Like, <laughs> subtlety, fury, grief. Are these all getting banned or something? <laughs> maybe. Or maybe they'll just be outmoded. Not good enough. I mean, if they make uh, free cards in the vein mm-hmm. of the One Ring, right? Well, the One Ring power level, but also free, then yeah. we'd be talking. There we go. Mar- like, obviously, Modern is going to be looking very different at, the- at that point. But yeah, certainly some number of your free to cast Mythic Rares are going to continue to be playable. But we got it. We got to just talk about. I know that you're so tired of universes beyond discourse. Just I- so tired. I can I can mostly carry this one for us. Yeah, please. You you can go off and rant. I'll explain why I'm tired. Yeah, that's uh, fair. Just briefly, because the complaints about universes beyond, I, I'm not even saying they're invalid or anything. I get them. I just hear the exact same ones like every three months, every four months or something when they release a new universes beyond product. Mm-hmm. Nothing ever changes. People still make the same takes and the same stupid why are we all talking about blue back decks joke like let's just whew, that that's really why i'm tired of it nothing like I, content wise i understand i think that it is like kind of important to continue to reiterate that like i still don't really like this and my feedback is that it's not it's not fun or cool and you know, if, if like everybody stops saying everything about it, then there's no pushback at all. And, you know, maybe we don't make any difference whatsoever. Clearly, they are going like full tilt forward with universes beyond. So I guess we could just save our energy and shut the fuck up about it. But I don't know. 
if if I don't like something, I'm still going to like say something. Yeah, it's kind of weird too because this is also the day where excellent previews started and there's like several Jurassic Park cards just like parked in the Exelon set. Yeah. So that's also kind of weird <laughs> for different <laughs> reasons. But unlike like a, a Marvel set or a Lord of the Rings set, I can expect the Jurassic Park cards to get uh, universes within treatments where they just like reskin them into belonging and magic. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I can expect that with, you know, Final Fantasy set or Marvel set or what have you. Oh, not a full set. That's just too many cards. I mean, I, I guess I can let you go off. So you have the floor. Yeah. Okay. Marvel Universe is beyond. Everything's going to be okay. Magic will still exist. We still get to play with our rectangles. It's going to be like worse in multiple ways. I, I don't know. Like I'm still going to be playing magic for a while. I have not been like encouraging people to get into magic. That's for like a number of reasons and not just like universes beyond based but it's honestly like this stuff is embarrassing to me and makes me like less excited to talk about magic with people who don't play magic and i I think that it like for me it has the opposite effect of what a lot of people assume like oh yeah it's like we're we're pulling other pop culture in and that's going to expand the game and more people are going to be interested in it and like that is probably true in some ways but I like talking about magic. I I try not to talk about it too much with people who aren't into it, but it's stuff like when I'm hanging out with my girlfriend and Wilds of Eldraine spoilers were coming out. Like I thought that the creative on a lot of those cards was incredible and I probably showed her like about a dozen different cards as they were spoiled because they were cute or they referenced something that was like, oh, this is very clever. Like Tough Cookie is wonderful. Like the Hansel and Greta Hansel and Gretel like storyline in this thing is that Hansel got eaten by the witch and the Gretel analog is now like an avenging warrior who like hates food based creatures. And it's like there's all these like neat little things when they're doing kind of adaptations and takes on stuff and addressing tropes and this kind of shared cultural language that we have. And it's fun and it's neat when it's done right, when it's just we are doing Fortnite stuff and we're putting Darth Vader into the card game or whatever. I I don't get excited about that stuff. And I don't, it's like embarrassing to me to be like, okay, now there's, now there's Jurassic Park in the card game. Now, now there's, there's like, there's going to be a Spider-Man card in the card game. And it just feels like, okay, we're just like another soup of stuff that is indistinguishable from all of the other like content amalgamations and there's a lot of artistry and stuff that doesn't get to happen in these sets because it's just yeah here's the here's the boromir card here's the captain america card instead of like let's do a clever take on on something and and i think that it it just like feels creatively bankrupt and i i feel like pretty empty when i look at most of these cards in a way that i feel like it's just the op- like i feel full like emotionally and 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 i i just appreciate the creativity that goes into the well-designed cards from sets like wilds of eldraine from minestrad that that sort of thing that's you know a personal thing or whatever but I, i'm also like wildly bored with marvel and i i was totally fine with 
Marvel movies and stuff and enjoyed it as uh, an experience of, oh, yeah, all these movies are connected. That's really fun. And then at some point, it just I, I lost interest. A lot of the movies were worse the way that you like had to watch shows in order to know what was going on became just too much of a chore and i just got pretty done with it and i haven't seen a marvel movie or anything in a while and it's uninteresting to me and so now we're getting a set of magic cards i don't feel interest in it and i also want to push back against the idea that like just getting more people to buy magic cards and maybe start playing magic is inherently a good thing. Growing the game is fine. I would like people who are going to like come into the game and appreciate it in kind of similar ways that I do. Like that that's what benefits me. Like Wizards of the Coast being a two billion dollar company instead of a one billion dollar company doesn't really benefit me as a magic player in any realistic way. Uh the only thing that I think is a positive out of this is if stores manage to make more money off of the game, then like, I'm obviously happy about that, but I, I, you know, a lot of product gets sold through Amazon. And I think a lot of this type of product is not going to get bought through LGSs. So I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. Um, I don't know. It's just like boring stuff that's coming out and, you know, we'll still have regular magic sets, but some amount of energy is going into this that is probably taking away from our regular magic sets and certainly takes attention away from it. And, you know, this product isn't for me and I don't think it's doing good stuff that I will appreciate and will change the game for the better. So that's that's kind of it. All right. I've got I know I said I was going to talk much, but I have to respond to at least two points. Sure. Well, I knew I, I could get talking, you. I was thinking, I know it's so dumb. God, why are you so smart? (laughs) (laughs) So when you're talking about adaptations, like that's what I think is really an important point because superhero as a genre is pretty Mm -hmm. wide. Like magic could just make a generic, their own style superhero set. Like we have like the Incredibles or Megamind or whatever. Like there's a million spinoffs that are like pretty novel Mm-hmm. Just because they're based in this is a goofy superhero world type deal. Sure. Like I think a set that magic just like takes a a non-serious approach to a superhero type genre, as opposed to something like War of the Spark, where it was like Yeah. Played straight, which was not very good. Not fun. Just we're doing the Avengers and we're not doing it differently in any meaningful way. It wasn't it, it wasn't fulfilling. But if they take like a genre and kind of make make it goofy, make a spin on it, and like really lean into it, I think they could actually do a really good job. Yeah, uh, it's kind of a shame that this set is probably just gonna eat that up forever. That's that's a little bit of a shame. Sure. The other point I wanted to make up was about the the Marvel movies, which I agree with you. They at some point they completely just dialed it in made them into like 3d light shows the writing's not very good you have to you have to point too much they're like uh universal studios rides now yeah and they don't even pay their their vfx people enough right but regardless uh this partnership is with marvel and not marvel studios mm-hmm. so it will be based on the comics the comics which i sure. think is significantly better 
because there's a lot that the comics have that the MCU can't or doesn't. Uh, and for instance, like the X-Men, like there's no X-Men MCU at all because mm-hmm. Fox has the rights to it or something. Yeah. When, when Marvel was going bankrupt in the 90s, they sold a bunch of to random companies. And I actually really like the comics. And I think the more obscure they can get in the weeds with comic references, I think it would be really neat. Like I played the versus system for a little bit and that was a, a an old trading card game in the mid or early 2000s that was based off marvel comics and dc comics mm-hmm. and they would have just like you know the first few sets where all right this is superman this is batman this is spider-man this is the x-men and then you would like get further along in the game's history and the set would be like all right here are the exiles these are people displaced in time that have a very niche comic series about them and like <laughs> stuff like that right and I think the more that was really charming because it was like the writers spent a lot of time making those comics and having that series that ran for like a year or whatever. And they just incorporated it all into cards and they had their own unique mechanics and all that. And that was really neat. And I'm hopeful that they can do some of that in this set, though I obviously know that there's going to be like an Iron Man, a Hulk or whatever. We're going to have like three Captain Americas, right? Like... That's what they did with Lord of the Rings, and I'm confident that's what they're going to do with Marvel as well. We'll see. I hope not. There's significantly more content in all mm-hmm. of Marvel Universe than there is in Lord of the Rings that people can recognize. Sure. Just because, like, what, they started in the 60s or something like that? Yes. And have been continuous yeah. ever since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a lot. There's certainly a lot to base it on. I just don't find myself caring about any of it. I am tentatively caring because I there's several like storylines that I really like that, you know, don't have anything to do with the movies that people mm-hmm. know about. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there there's definitely merit to the argument that like, you know, magic story has been continuously bad for a long time, if not forever. And, you know if you if you want something good and compelling maybe you have to grab it from somewhere else and put it into the game it it just like it really cements in that feeling of god we're just never going to get like a non-embarrassing magic story huh i not that we ever were but it's just continually disappointing that we can't get like a steady hand guiding a writer's room to tell us a story that has compelling characters with actual like human motivations and faults and gives us stories that resonate with us they they just kind of don't never never have been successful at making that happen i don't want to call it a lack of imagination for magic story because the world building is like it's good excellent yeah a problem is that they, they have this like shoehorn thing where they think there needs to be conflict in every single setting in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is most stark in sets like Strixhaven or Kaladesh, where the real plot to Kaladesh is that Tezzeret's there and he's going to steal something that Binkleballs needs, right? And that's like a very minor part of it. You can make the rest of the set happy because that's Kaladesh was supposed to be the happy set in contrast mm-hmm. to Innerstrad, which we had just gone to. Instead, they had this whole like government revolt timeline that just made no sense. And Strixhaven <laughs> was the same thing. Like, there's all these 
mage hunters or whatever people they're on like five cards or something you just don't know what they are at any point in time yeah and they're the bad guys and it just doesn't matter <laughs> yeah because it's just wizard school and wizard school is fun like just give us fun wizard school yeah so i i wish they had spent significantly less time on trying to build an ongoing narrative for those sorts of sets mm-hmm. and just like have a few cool short stories yeah. of characters in plane or whatever and then let people do whatever and then the, the stories you want to tell seriously like the phyrexia stuff sure you, you can do that over a few sets i think that's reasonable uh if not perfect the like the phyrexia thing is the one that really like bums me out because they had a good setup for something that could be really cool and just that it wasn't and, and and part of it too is that they're not doing it in mediums that allow you to sort of consume the the story and and like follow it and have a good time with it it's short stories on a browser that come out during previews for the set and it's not like an ongoing webcomic or you know an ongoing series of animated shorts or anything that could be you know that's that's how we actually like receive stories or or you know like i don't know a serialized set of novellas or something like that like it's just not delivered to us in a way that like we generally are going to appreciate, you know, enjoy a story. And uh, I don't know. I don't think that they were ever going to get there. Magic, the gathering does one thing well, which is make magic cards. And then everything else that's secondary to that, like the ball gets dropped pretty tremendously. And this is just like one of the places that it did. So uh, I'm mourning like a thing that just never existed, but certainly the embrace of universes beyond does communicate like we're we're not really going to bother focusing on on our own ip and like making this something good yeah i mean every time they try that like with the video game i remember the, they had like a little diablo clone right that just felt they just didn't continue developing because it was horrific yeah i mean <laughs> so they but these are just bad ideas like they, they're not starting from a good idea they're just starting from like let's expand the ip and not like we have a great idea for a thing that should exist and we can incorporate the ip into it yeah i think this is more morning a thing that, that just never really existed unfortunately and i know a lot about the magic story i'm probably going to read the Ixlon story when it comes out too it would be so cool if i cared about the story because I care about the worlds and I love the art and I like a lot of the designs. Like I love, you know, I love all of the designs of the Phyrexians and how like weird and like off-putting and gross they are. Like the Eldrazi are cool. I, I, you know, I appreciate the designs of like the knight's armor in Eldraine and stuff. Like there's all this stuff in the worlds that is cool that like hints at like there's neat things in here and then there's just no way to appreciate it behind beyond like oh the art on these cards is neat it's, there's some of yeah yeah i get what you're saying which you know i guess like we're gonna get marvel cards and then you like see something in the art or design or something in one of the cards and then you can actually chase that down a rabbit hole because there are you know 80 years of comics to to go look back at to to see what uh what what it's based in so there there is that but i i'm just not the most interested myself but i'm sure that people will appreciate it it'll be a whirlwind in two years when that catches up to us 
yeah, Final Fantasy and Marvel in the same year is, is pretty wild. And that'll be after Modernizing 3. It was this whole new cycle of free cards we have to complain about. <laughs> I mean, we got them in the first one and the second one. How, it like, will have only been a year. We can't have gotten all of our complaint equity about that cycle of cards before. No, definitely. You know. <laughs> yeah. They at least got the the power level gaps narrowed with the evoke cycle oh, in between the, the colors cycle yeah <laughs> like can yeah. you even name the non i mean i, I know you can but listener, <laughs> can you even name the non-force of negation non-force of vigor parts of that cycle i know them i'd be good at that trivia question yeah the red one that just puts blockers into play yeah love like, that one <laughs> the the force of virtue the anthem it mm-hmm. was really strong in one of the cubes. This was the the first spell you cast each turn has cascade cube. Oh wow! So that card was a yeah. banger. That is a banger. <laughs> it it is just funny that 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 cycle you can only pitch cast them on your opponent's turn text entirely for force of negation, and then it's like utter nonsense on all of the other cards in the cycle, especially the anthem that you can only cast on your opponent's turn for free. <laughs> Yeah, the 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 black one kind of makes sense too. I'm not gonna say what it does uh, because it's not important. If you want to know, you can look it up. <laughs> it it kind of makes sense, but you wouldn't need like you don't need that restriction to yeah, be you don't always need the pitch casting it on it your opponent's makes, turn. Right. It only makes sense to do it on your opponent's turn in most cases. It's just telling you how to play the card. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's transition over to KubeCon since since we started getting there. All right, KubeCon is the best. So I, I traveled out to KubeCon in Madison, Wisconsin. I went with uh, buddy Will. We ended up flying to Chicago and then driving up to Madison because it's the Madison airport is apparently held together by toothpicks or something. It's so small. And it just like costs so much money to fly from Raleigh to Madison. Mm-hmm. It was way cheaper to like fly to Chicago, rent a car, and then drive up. Yeah. The event itself was very good. So the way it worked, there were 360 people. The way the event worked is there's six drafts, right? There's three on Friday, three on Saturday. And it compiled the results, how you did in those six cubes to make a top 64 cut which got into eight separate drafts and then the winner of each of those drafts drafted the magic online vintage cube in the top eight Mm. and the way you the cubes worked on the the first two days where you could sign up for any number of cubes you wanted like you had a ranked list that you did so for friday i would sign up for like vintage legacy something strange for instance Mm -hmm as like my top three and then I could list some cubes to avoid. So if I didn't want to play the vintage cube, I could put it on the avoid list and I wouldn't get put into it, mm-hmm. uh, which I did utilize for a couple of cubes. The boat cube. Not the vintage one. That was just my, yeah, the boat cube was one of them. The other one was a different, basically if it, if a cube was labeled as Vorthos, I put it on my <laughs> avoid list. Not to like shots fired, anything Vorthosy, but I didn't want to play in a cube that didn't have any gameplay focus to it. And if you're yeah, like tag is Vorthos, you're you weren't really focused on gameplay. <laughs> well, maybe you were, but you it wasn't a priority. What was interesting about the 
the six main events, the six cubes leading up to the top 64 cut, was that you could play in any of them you wanted to. You didn't have to play in all six. It's not like a GP. You could play in the first two and not, and then like go eat dinner and not do the third one. Or you could come in late one day and just do the second two or what. It was a mix and match, come as you go, do whatever. Like it, it's not a big deal. It was a very casual environment. It was extremely good for that. Like even just playing the games would be like uh, playing cube for no stakes at, you know, someone's house where you'd play the game seriously, but then you make a stupid mistake. You're like, ah, can I take that back? And people are like, yeah, that's fine. It's whatever. Mm-hmm. It's just like run it regular REL. So that's okay. Sure. You, you could like keep it pretty casual uh, or competitive. If you like playing against a competitive person and they wanted to take it seriously, you could take it seriously, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But everyone I played against, including like people who have played on the pro tour, were just like taking it very casually this sure. is we're here to have fun sort of thing yeah we're cuban right we're cuban if you went 3-0 in a cube mm-hmm. like you trophied right that's what it's called a magical line you get the trophy yeah they would give you a little trophy pen <laughs> uh, with cubecon under it as the, the label for it and also a can of like wisconsin soda uh, called spreckers which <laughs> I don't, they had some sort of deal with or something. I don't know. Yeah. They were handing these things out all the time and <laughs> they weren't drink a lot. Like I won mine and I did not drink the, the can that was given to me because it was like <laughs> 1 million calories and carbs and it was just, Ooh, I didn't, like didn't want to take I'd be part into. of it. <laughs> uh, weird, I did it at one point. Weird sodas are like a particular interest of mine. So we did at one point. I know someone drank it, right? Because uh, Dom needed it, needed sugar. And there were Spreckers everywhere. Everywhere. So this was just, (laughs) (laughs) it was just the easiest way to get a sugary thing in Dom's hands (laughs) as he's carrying around his cookies the whole event. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go through my events because my events were cool. They had this like cool little tournament app called the Hedron Network that someone developed like pretty independently and it is significantly better than companion and melee like it tells you where what your table is where you're supposed to sit at the draft it has a place where you can upload your your picture of your pool because you have to do that to make sure you mm. give your all your cards back sure uh, a place to check out the checkout picture when you're turning your cards back in because people own these cubes like people just submitted these cubes brought them to the place and the judges are just handing out cards other people own to everyone mm-hmm. in the giant event hall. Right. So these people want to get all their cards back. And the, the method they come up with is really good because you're not sitting there registering pools all the time like with pen and paper. You're just mm-hmm. taking a picture of the pool. And then when you're done, you take a picture of the, the pool again that you're turning in and you're good to go. It was it was fairly simple. Cool. And not a single card went missing at the entire KubeCon. Like every card that was put into a cube and distributed was returned. That's which awesome. is incredible. Yeah. For like over 40 cubes. And each one of them drafted a bunch of times. Yeah. Yeah. Each one of them drafted a bunch of times. Uh, the site also let you, this was the site where you ranked your cube preferences like per event. So you mm-hmm. could sign up for different cubes at different event times. So like if you didn't want to play a complicated event late at night, you didn't have to sign up for any, you could just sign up for a more, a more casual one. Sure. 
So on Friday, Friday morning, I go into the counters of Monte Cristo cube. This sounds like a cube you'd be into. Yeah, it looked really cool. Like I, I gravitated towards the like more interestingly designed ones mm-hmm. uh, as I thought at the time. And one of the quirks of the system is you didn't get, always get your first pick based on popularity of like what other people picking and all that stuff. But the counters cube was a pretty low popularity pick. So I, I got into it as my first choice, my first cube. And if you don't know what this cube is, you can, I'm just saying the real names of the cubes. You can search all these on cubecomper.com if you want to just look at the cube. If you don't know what it is, it's kind of just like a proliferate cube like you saw in Magic Online uh, that uh, Carmen Comparins made. With a few exceptions, it's much lower power level than that one. Uh, there's a lot more, it's a lot more modern or pioneer level power than it is <laughs> the proliferate cube. Yeah. There's also no minus one, minus one counters which I didn't realize at first, and I think is a huge leak. Like I really wanted Contagion Clasp in my deck. Uh, what's the five mana Convoke Loxodon guy? Venerated Loxodon. Yeah, Venerated Loxodon. I, I first picked that because even though I'm a you know combo fiend in constructed formats, mm-hmm. in draft I tend to like just playing creature aggro decks. I just want to kill my opponent, not do something fancy. So I first picked Venerated Loxodon, and I was very happy with it. Then I didn't, I got cut off of white like pretty early. It was very apparent. I think in all of CubeCon, I would like first pick a card and then try to go. I I don't usually take my first picks to keep open. I like picking strong cards. And if I get cut out of that color, then I just adapt from there instead of like picking some lands or some artifacts and then seeing what happens. Of course. But I ended up getting packs cut in white. Uh, And before that happened, I noticed that I was passing a Vidalcan Infuser, which is a four mana one four that puts a charge counter on an artifact every turn. And the next pack, the very next pack after I passed it, had a Grind Clock in it, which is a, a two mana artifact that hmm. you know you put charge counters on it mm-hmm. and then you can tap it to mill equal to the number of charge counters on it to mill your opponent. So I'm like, all right, if these if these cards wheel, we we can start building a uh, um, cuter deck with like charge counter stall grind clock, uh-huh. grind clock them out yeah and, and it happened like i wheeled both of them blue was very open no one was drafting blue and so i just went into this like controlly charge counters deck i had spawning pit which is an incredible card when you don't have to sacrifice creatures to it mm-hmm. uh, because if you can just make a spawn without sacrificing a creature to it you're already halfway to another spawn it's it's very strong. I, I killed multiple. I, I won multiple games with just infuser or search node, and a spawning pit. Just, just putting like charge counters on it, making two twos. Yeah, yeah, and like you can block with a spawn, sack it, put another charge counter thing, make another spawn at end of turn, attack with that one. It's it's a very good card. Uh, even if the last time I like drafted with spawning pit, it's combat damage stacked, so it was way more powerful. <laughs> <laughs> I also had the Scepter of the Magistrate, which is a charge counter card that like gives you an extra turn when you remove three charge counters from it. Yeah. So, so that was you have another way of putting charge counters on it then. Yeah, I, I opened this core tapper and passed it for like a recoil or something, some really good removal spell, thinking that of course the core tapper would wheel. Everything else had wheeled, that it was in my archetype. And it just didn't wheel, and I was shocked. <laughs> <laughs> 
I ended up one two at that deck. One of my games was extremely hard for me to win. My opponent had uh, animation module, arcbound ravager, and steel overseer, and that was just like way too much to overcome. Steel overseer animation module by itself is just I'm gonna make all of my mana worth of creatures every turn. Yes, that that's very powerful. And and yeah, the modular stuff. I I like I have a hot take, which is basically that like modular plays very badly in limited. Uh, and I think that it just like sh the Modern Horizons 2 like really cemented this for me, which is just I don't think limited is fun when killing your opponent's creatures doesn't do anything and trading off with them in combat also doesn't do anything. And uh, I, I don't think that being heavy modular in like what, what appears to be a relatively like moderately powered like combat based cube, I think that. It's tough to get away from modular and a plus one plus one counter cube, but I, I don't think it plays very well in like outside of constructed magic. Well, this cube didn't really have that modular stuff. Like there was a mm -hmm. Mauser and a Javelin here, okay. which are just white cards, which I'm fine sure. with. Yeah it's, yeah, it's really just Ravager is was way more powerful than most of the cube. Mm -hmm. Like Ravager is a card that later in the day, my like cube mates are just like first picking out of legacy power level cubes so this is sure. a card that has a, a wide variety of power to it like yeah it, this, this it is a two drop creature that still sees play in modern so it's it's very strong yeah it was, it was like a cut above what i was playing for sure uh but like most cubes that i drafted had some sort of flaw where there was one card that was like a power outlier and i think this cube was like pretty fun like it it made me think not perfect, obviously, but it made me think that you could do this really well, and I would like kind of want to compare and contrast this with uh, the the proliferate cube mm -hmm. and see what the good and the bad parts of this because this is like a, a lower power level than the proliferate cube, like a much lower power level, yeah. and it made it a lot more interesting to play with cards that I didn't ever really play with before, like uh, Vidalcan Infuser or Psychic Pickpocket mm -hmm. or stuff like that. Yeah. So then I draft another blue black tech in the penrose cube this was a cube that i did not have in my my list of choices i got filled into this one mm -hmm. uh, and it's basically a budget cube like a budget bar cube there's no tokens there's no, nothing that makes plus one plus one counters you can just like build the decks that you have from the cube and then you just play them and you don't need anything else you can like mm -hmm. keep track of your life total with your sideboard that that's yeah. sort of like classic cube feel right uh, this was one of the cubes I really did not enjoy because the power level was both low and it felt like the cube had so many enablers. It was trying to be a synergy cube instead of just like a play good cards cube. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of graveyard stuff going on and there were just so many enablers, but I felt like there were not enough payoffs. Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up in another blue black deck because black was extremely open and I basically was playing blue black loot. I ended up splashing for an arrogant worm because I just needed more cards that did stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and I figured like it's no big deal. Like pretty much every card in my deck loots for some reason. So mm -hmm. if I don't draw my green source or my arrogant worm too early, I can just loot them away. Okay, sure. That deck did not work too well. Also, I was I got pretty upset losing to collapsing borders. I don't know if you know what this card does, CCR. Yeah, I it kills lands, right? What is what is no, collapsing? That's players? what I thought it did. When I looked at the art, I'm like, oh, this kills my land, right? But no, it's a four mana enchantment from invasion. It's three and a red, so it's a mono red card. 
Uh, at the beginning of each player's upkeep, the player gains one life for each basic oh. land type among the lands he or she controls. Then it deals three damage to you. Uh huh. So when I read this card, I'm like, oh, okay, it's a check on like domain playing not enough land types, basically. So I go to my turn, I take my uh, basically one damage because I gain two, take three, right? Mm-hmm. Then it goes to my opponent's turn. And they just straight up gain two life because they have all five line types in play. So they gain five and then it deals three of them. Mm-hmm. So, and then I'm like, wait, this isn't, you, you're just, this is a shrine of cleansing fire. You're just gaining <laughs> two life a <in> turn. <laughs> and the cube power level is not high, remember. Right. So the games last a while. A shrine of cleansing fire, like on turn four, I decked, I just milled out. I could not kill my opponent. I didn't have enough damage. Because <laughs> your opponent just like gained 20 life. They gained like 30 life. But the game <laughs> went forever. <laughs> it was it was ridiculous. And what's funny is that after I lost that game, like I'm losing this game because I just can't deal enough damage to my opponent. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the game that my opponent has won because I drew from an empty library, uh-huh. they complained that they drew 13 lands in that game. Well, but you drew your whole deck. And I said, yeah, I get that. I drew 17 lands that game. (laughs) (laughs) That just kind of sucks, man. (laughs) Yeah, that's tough. I I like lower powered cubes, but yeah, I'm I'm just like scrolling through the cards here. And yeah, this is a little little too low powered for my taste, I would say. It's just a little too cute. Like if it was low powered and you could play like Moldrifter or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I get. It. I mean, Moldrifter is in this cube, but more Moldrifters, like sure. more cards that just did what they said on the face of the card. Mm-hmm. Like this, this is a cube with hapless researcher and nagging thoughts, and uh, the the instant that has madness and draw a card, obsessive search, yeah, obsessive yeah. search. Like th- there's just too many random, just little, yeah, do nothing cards. Right, right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm like scrolling through blue and there's like almost no way to kill your opponent in the blue cards like ether snipe is like the biggest hitter that i've seen so far yeah there's also like a few power outliers even in within the budget where you're like in the blue cards and you see uh the dalkin humiliator which i know most people listening to podcast don't know because it's a panda card yeah it's a four mana three four when it attacks it humbles all of your opponent's creatures (laughs) and in the cube this low powered it's just like you attack with it and your opponent's just like doesn't have anything and it just dominates the board forever <laughs> so i wasn't a huge fan of that one but it, it was fine like it, it probably did yeah at least that kills somebody right at least that ends a game mm-hmm. they're way better than the stupid collapsing borders card uh and then in friday night i drafted well it ended up being my favorite cube at the event that i drafted which was a, a study in harmony and I, this is a legacy cube, a pretty good power level associated with it, uh, but it's not a good stuff cube. Like it's very heavy, heavy synergy driven. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, white, blue, and red all have this big artifact component to it. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm seeing a lot of uh, goblin welder type things going on here. And there's also cards like in Boros. There's Nahiri, the the creature one with affinity mm-hmm. for equipments and a rebel salvo. So if like you're red white, you can be doing equipment stuff, and you could also be doing goblin engineer stuff. And if you're in blue, maybe you can put in Psy or 
unctus or urza or whatever you know? yeah like it you there's a lot of overlap uh and that's just in three colors the whole cube was like that where it's got these overlapping themes uh like for instance green had this plus almost one counter theme and a lands theme and an enchantments theme mm-hmm. so restoration of a ganjo was good in like all of them yeah that's fun uh it was a really really neat cube i ended up drafting a hardened scales deck in this one after first picking ancient tomb mm. uh, and planning on drafting just like artifacts stuff because there was a, a mystic forge and a KCI in this cube. And I picked the mystic forge pretty early, like intending to go more mm. combo. Yeah. Uh, and then I got past like in succession, Ozolith shattered scale, shattered spire, the Ozolith and hardened scales. And I'm well, like, Oh, okay, yeah, that, these are all coming. Yep. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, we're doing it. So, and in pack three, going into pack three, I was like, all right, if there's anything I need here, it's a walking ballista. Yep, yep. Because I had taken, um, after I saw the the Ozolith, I I started taking like Arcbound creatures that were available, which were just the white ones. I never saw any of like Ravager or anything like that. But I got past Ballista in the third pack, and that that was my trophy draft. I I crushed that one. (laughs) I had a Johnny Goldmane, which was incredibly good with all of the uh, card and skills effects. Just, yeah, put two plus and plus counters on your whole team. Also give them Vigilance. That's not bad. Yeah, it's pretty good. There, a card that impressed me too, and that was Jugan Defense the Temple. I mean, that card is just really strong. Yeah, make a, like, make a land or elves, put a plus one counter on two creatures, and then it flips into a 2-2 flyer. But the backside ability is really relevant. Which is whenever another creature enters the battlefield under control, you can pay X and put that many plus one counters on it. Yeah. So at one point, I paid a ballista for one, which became a ballista for three. And then I put like nine more plus one counters on it. So my <laughs> opponent just died on the spot. Yeah. And I would always have the sequence where I would play this card, and then the turn it flipped, I would play a Johnny. So even if they dealt with my board, I would still have a 4 4 flyer. It was, it was really nice. Yep. That sounds very fun. So I, I got to do really well on that one. I ended up drafting that one again on Saturday after filling into it randomly, which was neat. Uh, but Saturday morning, I did the Creative Cube, which was another legacy level one, which was really good. I didn't have any complaints about this one. I also don't remember what I drafted. Oh, I drafted red-white aggro in this one, just mm-hmm. like equipment aggro. And I lost playing for the trophy in this one, which was a rough beat. I like- yeah, this is the one that was like on stream like I think multiple times, but like like yeah, saw it saw Reed drafting this. It's a good cube. Like I think the the card choices are pretty solid in this one. My finals match was also super scuffed because I like crushed my opponent in game. Sorry, in game one, my opponent crushes me. They have like blue red modern Merktide, like essentially, <laughs> <laughs> but with but with ponder as well. Yeah, they have ponder. They have preordain. They mm-hmm. have opt. They have thought scour. They have everything the you could want. Yeah, they have the Merc Tide. They have the uh, the red one drop. I can't remember the name of Dragon Suit Chandler. They have Ragavan. They have Ledger Shredder. <laughs> they just like have a modern deck. That's that's <laughs> wild. Yes, that sounds very so, good. So they smush me in game one, and I'm like, all right, all right. I see what I need to do here. <laughs> Not let them have a creature, because they apparently have very few creatures in their deck. But they have so much removal and and card selection. That's like yeah. they're what they're yeah. doing. 
So in game two, it's really long, but my opponent like air quotes floods out and I end up winning with like whatever my 15th creature is that I put on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. Uh, And my my opponent did a little complaint about flooding out, like a small complaint. It's just like a casual one where that struck me as like kind of odd because they cast ponder preordain opt and the thought scour the thought scour put two of their creatures in the graveyard and they drew more cards after that right Mm -hmm. so the problem really wasn't flooding out as much as it was i don't have enough threats in my deck yeah a little too much air for a 40 card deck to to handle sometimes because we played like 15 turns yeah and i'm you know my creatures were constantly getting answered by removal spells so <laughs> maybe a flame dunk would have been like excellent in his deck because he could have just hit me for 12 before i could really do anything sure yeah but regardless and then game three i flooded out where i kept a three lander and then drew six lands off the top <laughs> so another a trophy dashed how brutal oh, i wanted that second trophy so bad yeah I bet. that was the game i realized that kellen the adventure from wadsville drain it's really good it's really strong yeah it's a very especially powerful card with, especially with rabbit battery because a play i was like constantly doing that draft was tutoring for rabbit battery uh playing the rabbit battery and modifying it usually and then the next turn i could either play out more creatures depending on what they did or i could just play kellen equip it with rabbit battery swing for six double strike and then whatever anthem like kellen anthems your creatures if he's equipped right so. yeah it was a really strong swing play and I'll probably put Kellen in my artifact cube now because it was just so impressive. Yeah. And it also gets like a removal spell out of your deck a lot, a lot of the time when like equipping isn't good on your board, if you get a, uh, a chain to the rocks type thing or something like that. So it's flexible too. I, I think Kellen is a sweet card. Yeah. It's really cool. Then Saturday afternoon, I did the study and harmony cube again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember what I first picked out of this one, but I, I quickly ended up in what I thought was going to be an Enchantress deck, but I ended up drafting the Ozolith Shattered Spire again. So I became <laughs> this is your third I, plus one plus one counter deck. Yes. So I became, well, my first plus one counter deck was a charge counter deck, to be fair. Sure. Okay. <laughs> but I quickly became this like hybrid plus one plus one counter enchantment deck with not a lot of the artifact stuff you would associate with mm-hmm. the Ozolith. Uh, which meant that cards like Sparring Lesson from the Strixhaven Commander set was really good, where it, mm-hmm. like whenever you attack, you put a plus one, plus one counter on it, untap. Fight Rigging was really strong, and stuff like that. Like I was playing Sithis into some enchantment that gave a plus one, one counter, drawing mm-hmm. a card, and just like attacking yeah. a bunch. And it was a really cool deck. Uh, Elvish Archdruid was incredibly good. I was going to say, it sounds like an Elvish Archdruid deck. Or Archivist. Or Archivist, sorry. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it was really good because you could like play the Archivist, then play the Ozolith, put to, put up three counters on it, then Rancor the Archivist, draw a card. It was it was so good. I did that one <laughs> turn. I felt like a god. I ended up losing for the trophy in that one as well. Aww. So close, so many times. Yeah, I, I ended up doing pretty rough in the, the cube overall, but it was a lot of fun still. The last one I drafted was truly the most heinous, unfortunately. Aww. I uh, ended up drafting a Lucius, which was billed as a legacy cube, but without any two-card combos and a little more uh, archetypal, I think, is mm-hmm. how it was described. I flounder for a bit in this draft, 
my, my draft deck ended up not being very good, uh, which isn't like the reason I disliked the cube because uh, I started out drafting blue cards and blue was pretty not open. Mm-hmm. But I have at this point a bunch of watery grave. Like I have two watery graves in my pool now. So I'm trying to figure out if I can be in black splash for blue or be in some weird fetch land mana base where I can grab a, a blue or a black source off of either of those. Mm-hmm. Like if I need a blue source, I can get Bloodstained Mire, for instance. Yeah. Uh, but red ends up being open. So I end up going into like mono red, but I'm clearly not going to have enough playables. So I end up drafting black red and I'm like really in on Jackal Pup analogs. Like we've got the Goblin Guide, we've got all the Bloodsoak Champions you can shake a stick at. Gravecrawler, mm-hmm. Bloodsoak Champion, Gutter Bones, the the one that Yeah, all, I've got all the one. all the greatest hits of this like mostly unplayable type of magic card. I've got Fire Drinker Seder. I've got everything. Every okay. single Jackal Pup you can possibly imagine is in my deck yep. or in my pool. Uh, also, this cube has like six fire ambushes in it with, or volcanic hammers or lightning strikes. Just two damage. For th- two spears. mana for three damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. There's infinite of these. I just keep seeing them. So I, I take a few of them. And my deck is like medium okay. I have I have sort of Dungeons and Dragons in my deck. That's like yeah. my, you have a plan. my push card. And I'm looking at my deck and my power level is like kind of low, but there's nothing in the draft I was passing that was like very good either, uh, except for some like outlier green cards. Like one of the packs literally had eight green cards in it and they were all very good. And I, <laughs> I looked at that pack and I was like, geez, yeah. I wish I'd seen green cards before now. <laughs> yeah, this doesn't do anything for me. But I look at my my pile of jackal pups and I'm like, all right, this cube kind of sucks, just power level wise, not gameplay wise mm-hmm. yet. So <laughs> foreshadowing, yeah. So I, I should be okay, right? Like this shouldn't be that bad. Like I don't think my deck's good at all. I'll probably go one two, maybe two one if I'm lucky. But we can do this. Like we can play a game of magic with these mm-hmm. cards. I have I have uh, two of the rabble master effects. So I've got plans outside of just jackal pups. Sure. Which is good with so your, round, your lightning strikes generally. Yeah. Yeah. So I play against a control deck in round one. It's like four color control, heavy white. My opponent plays like Guardian Idol, just kind of dies in in game one. Like I, I win the die roll, I play a bunch of Jackal Pups and kill him. And in game two, he plays like a Guardian Idol and maybe a Worn Power Stone. And I'm attacking him with my Jackal Pups, you know, as you do. Mm-hmm. Get a Legion War boss and I attack him. And then he hits his sixth mana and floats all his mana and casts Balance. And I'm like, <laughs> excuse me? <laughs> you're you're casting what? <laughs> what? <laughs> I I'm I'm out here playing my fiercest jackal pups. And you're searing spears. And you're casting the Lord's balance? <laughs> that's that's unreal. What? So I I sacrifice all my creatures. Great. Uh, my opponent has to sacrifice a land, and mm-hmm. I only have one card in hand, so they have to go down to one card in hand. Yeah, I bet that card uh, which they beats immediate- you, though. Which they immediately cast, and it's Elspeth. Four Great. mana Elspeth. Yep. So I'm like, all right, cool. This is uh, this was a fun experience. Let's yep. see if I can kill you next game. <laughs> <laughs> so we play the next game, and I get balanced again, and I'm like... Great. All right. Just over it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just over it. Like, I'm 0-1, I can't top 64, I drop from the cube immediately. Yeah. 
the person beside me who was playing against Zach Hill, who, Zach Hill was in this cube. He was also complaining about the design of the cube, so I felt pretty justified mm -hmm. uh, because his opponent was playing, like Zach was playing this blue-red splashing black mid-range slash control deck. And his opponent is playing mostly mono green ramp, but has wild growth and utopia sprawl, mm -hmm. which sound like Llanowar elves to the untrained eye. Yeah, but are to infinitely, kill infinitely better. Yeah, they can't be killed, and they work. They have haste. Immediately. Yeah, yeah. Like these wild growth and utopia sprawl are extremely powerful, especially if your cube power level is like not great, mm -hmm. like this cube is, because you're just trumping what everyone else is doing mm -hmm. like a turn or two earlier and zach was complaining about that and i'm like next to him also losing the balance so i'm like yeah we're i'm not into this cube at all this one this sucks so yep. i just drop from the 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 draft and i go watch the cascade cube which will was in at the time and it was so good like yeah, this is this neat. is a cube I had avoided because I didn't know how goofy or wacky it would be. Like, there were some wacky cubes, and I signed up for a few. I just didn't get them. Uh, but the, like Cascade Cube's shtick was everyone started with a Maelstrom Nexus emblem, which <laughs> is, which means that like whenever you cast a spell for the first time each turn, you cascade, or that spell has cascade. Mm -hmm. So there were lots of pitch spells like grief contagion fury like name a pitch spell it's there yeah lots of suspend spells there was a mirror enforcer type deal as well where affinity was really good uh including like oxida golem and dross golem and stuff like that where the, cool. the affinity yeah. for basic lands golems yeah because like anything that had a reduced cost became very high value and you could just cascade from it oh, this uh, sounds similar to a format i've been too. playing yeah right Mm. It's funny it's funny you should say that because i did watch a game where was playing where his opponent went uh, evoke grief cascade into lightning skelemental oh my god <laughs> <laughs> and then in classic scam fashion lost after not hitting their second land drop ah, <laughs> that'll do it it's yeah, even it's harder rough. to win when you don't get to keep your grief around after scamming them. When you like yeah. you strip their hand, but you don't have a body left, you just dealt six. The the cool part was that grief took mana crypt, which was which meant that Will only had one land too. Like relying <laughs> on that mana crypt to produce a bunch of mana. Uh, there's also like soul talisman and mox tantalite, which are the suspend moxers soul, soul rings. Yeah, and that was that was a really cool thing where you could just like play a one drop cascade into one of those cards or like glimpse of tomorrow or something like the, the list was really cool. Yeah, I expected it to be like kind of a meme draft, but it ended up being a meme draft that was like very thoughtful. Cool. That does sound fun. I'd, I'd be into that. Yeah, it, I, I wish I had drafted it. It was like one of the most popular cubes there. I mean, we can also take whatever cube like looks great and just like copy it. Spoiler alert for later. <laughs> <laughs> cool, I'm down. Yeah one of one of the down one of the downsides question mark of CubeCon mm -hmm. is that if you are cube designer, you get to play a bunch of cubes, and you're like, I, I can gotta, do this better, I do or them. maybe yeah. I can do something differently, or this cube looks really fun. Maybe I could just do that. Yeah, like there's a lot of cool stuff at CubeCon going on. You know, I played in a lot of cubes where I didn't get balanced in my jack of up deck and I had a lot of fun. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> that's the baseline right for for cube fun is like as long as you're not playing a jackal pup deck and getting balanced then there, there's a little room yeah there's room for error just just a smidgen <laughs> <laughs> and then on sunday everyone just like hung out and and like free play drafted basically anyone yeah. who wasn't on the top 64 and honestly the top 64 was just one draft and everyone who lost in the top 64 immediately couldn't get in the top eight because you had to three zero to get in the top eight right right so people are done like an hour into doing it so they come draft with you I assume. yeah exactly like unfortunately for anyone who's not following kubecon reed duke was unstoppable he was immortal yes. <laughs> he lost one game in the entire swiss of kubecon uh-huh and that person i think ended up winning kubecon by the way but <laughs> <laughs> one of the funniest things was that there was a cube that had Reed Duke in it and the other members of the cube was like Reed Duke, Zach Hill, Jarvis Yu, Brian Kowal. It was just the, the just, we must defeat Reed Duke. <laughs> we're, we're putting all of our biggest guns in. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Like this was this fifth or sixth draft. I think mm-hmm. it was the fifth draft. Uh, and they were, everyone was just trying to get a win. And the Zach told me this story. And he was in the trophy game against Reed. On the last turn of turns, Reed draws his last card in deck and deals exact lethal with all of his mana. <laughs> Calculated. <laughs> yeah. That's just sneaky. The guy yeah. can't lose. <laughs> yeah. He's very Reed is extremely good. It, it was it was great. <laughs> That's that is awesome. And I haven't had a chance to go back and walk at, watch any coverage of KubeCon because I Got home yesterday, ate dinner, kind of went to bed very soon after, and just woke up today and did work. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to go back and watch whatever coverage I can just so I can offer feedback. Because one of the things that KubeCon organizers are doing is they're putting out a feedback form later so people can tell what feedback they have and what went well and what, what went poorly. And I have some feedback for the the running of the event, which I think they did an excellent job of. Like, I was very impressed. Yeah. Uh, like if you can imagine having a giant room of 400, 500 people with 45 cubes where judges are constantly ferrying these cubes to different locations and making sure everyone is drafting properly, needing to be called over to give Oracle text of double face cards because you're not allowed to take out cards during the draft. Mm. Like the there was not enough judges in the room, and they all did an incredible job. And they were working super late because this this tournament started at nine o'clock every day, and I didn't leave the building until like eleven ish both days, <laughs> which is an extremely long tournament. Yeah, it's nine rounds of magic and three drafts, and you're there forever. It's it's a huge endurance test. It's the endurance test of magic tournaments, to be honest. <laughs> right yeah adding three drafts into the nine rounds is like a pretty significant that, that that's long that's a lot of doing magic stuff for sure and a lot of the times the drafts are formats you have never played before right you're you reading a lot of do cards. not know the cards of yeah so you're constantly like evaluating and making up strategies on the fly it's not easy yeah sounds fun though yeah it was it was a lot of fun a lot of the Madison locals had their like just colorful jerseys on and they were all super friendly. Hmm. Uh, everyone I played against from Madison 
was just an excellent person. That's awesome. Color me jealous, and I will do my best to make it to the next one. Yeah, of course. Perfect. Let's do it. I don't imagine it can be bigger than this year because it, it feels like it would be hard to do, <laughs> like, logistically. Right. It's kind of at its, like, cap of what you can possibly pull off. Uh, yeah, but I, I think it might be harder to get tickets next year. <laughs> sure. Well, cool. I'm glad you had a good time. I'm glad it went so smoothly. I, yeah, I, I do have some feedback for coverage. Like, coverage is fine. Uh, when it was happening, there was a lot of downtime, a lot of slideshows going on rather than watching matches, which, the, you know, they can fix just by recording matches. And also, like, one of the slides that kept coming up, there was a lot of, like, what's the pick type slides. And one of them was a first pick from the Magic Online Vintage Cube, where one of the commentators recommended taking Birds of Paradise over Solitude and Urza's Saga, and which, like... You know, you see that once and you're like, aha, that's not right. And then you see it for like the 15th time when you're just like waiting for some cube coverage and you're like, please stop taking Birds of Paradise over Solitude and Urza Saga. <laughs> that's funny. Was that the top eight or is it just like a, the data driven vintage cube? Because there are two vintage cubes they that. I, it was just like a a pre-prepared slide where they they just like oh, had a okay. bunch of like what's the picks pick one pack one from a cube and then had oh, like gotcha. a you know three opinions on what to take from the pack and and that that was the funniest one that kept coming up and then at some point was <laughs> like all right let's let's get some matches going on I can't keep looking at this slide sure sure I, I haven't had a chance to watch any coverage because I was there I did talk to several of the coverage people though cool. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was for... it was good people like having like Parnell and Jaybro and stuff on there was like like that was great. Yeah, I know that was uh, Emma Partlow's first time doing coverage. They had topples, I think, did a round and then didn't do coverage. Mm. I think she stopped doing coverage uh, for a little bit or bowed out of it. She was initially supposed to do it. I don't I don't remember exactly what the situation was. Gotcha. Yeah, Emma did a great job. Yeah, that, that's what a lot of people told me. Like yeah. I'm, I'm pretty confident they can crush it next year and hopefully get a lot more matches. I know yeah. that the commentators themselves didn't have a lot of control over that because, mm -hmm. well, half of them were just also organizing the event. Like Jaybro literally hosted the event, right? And Parnell was also directing. So <laughs> I don't know how he found the time to play in a cube. Like he, he was next to me and he didn't draft the same cube as me in the first round of Friday, but he was literally drafting that very first draft and i don't think he drafted a single other time mm, unfortunately yeah. but he you know he was busy <laughs> <laughs> makes sense yeah and i, I don't adjust it forever because he was a an old north carolina resident mm -hmm. and i'm hopeful that the nrg people will listen to feedback and and improve their game yeah i mean got a year uh, i i assume that it will be a little cleaner next time it's a learning Just process Let's get Onarug. Let's get Onarug again. How does Onarug feel about Cube? Yeah, for sure. That that would that would help. That would get us there. Yeah, Onarug's great. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually did a little coverage this weekend. I sat in for Onarug uh, and covered the like day two of the Mana Traders tournament, which ended in a living end mirror in the finals yeah, of all things. <laughs> which 
<laughs> as far as living end mirrors go, this one went pretty smoothly. It was uh, game one, a hardcast grief attacked six times for exactly 18 damage. Uh, game two, there was a ley line of the void. And game three, it was uh, Matthias Leverado drew way more cyclers and won. So I started playing his list today uh, on stream and I'm like uh, seven and one. It just on in leagues with this build of living end. It's pretty nice. Two flame of anor in the sideboard, which haven't done that much for me, but that's you know interesting but they're, but thoughts. They're in there. Yeah. <laughs> Does the stack of fury in it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I I, I don't think you can possibly register living end without three fury in your sideboard right now. I don't think that like you're just never going to beat scam if you don't do that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Man, talking about modern is so weird after right. talking about cube for cube the whole an entire weekend. week. Yeah. And this is including like the car drive where, you know, we had Dom in the car back, like we drove him back to Chicago. Mm-hmm. So we were just also talking cube and some pioneer like the whole time too. And it's just like, oh yeah, modern's a format that exists, huh? Oh yeah. <laughs> this the 60 card format, huh? Um yeah, hmm. very, very quick hits from this weekend. Uh the beans really were not as present in the tournaments as they have kind of appeared to be in leagues. I don't know when it's going to like crest over the top. And finally, like by Sunday, Cascade Beans had won a challenge, but it was like a little bit invisible in top 32s uh, going into that. So we'll we'll see what happens with that. On Sunday, also, there were five Yawgmoth decks in the top 32, and this was the first time that Scam was not the most played deck in a top 32. <laughs> There was also, I saw a, a table, like a matchup table mm-hmm. uh, that went around Twitter for a little bit. And I thought it was so funny because I don't know who posted this data. I can't find the table right now because uh, I had a lot of time at airports to like scroll through Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it like claimed that Hardened Skills was the best deck and it had like the best results against Scam. But mm-hmm. it was so clearly like a. I mean, yeah, the deck's good against Scam, but it's not like you're winning 85% yeah. of your matchups. Yeah, they had it like 70-something percent. Yeah, it's just like not correct. They also had like, like living I mean, in favored against Scam in that same table, which is just obviously untrue and yeah, not helpful data. So anytime I see anyone talk about like tables like that, I'm like, you guys need to just play some modern <laughs> with these decks you think are very powerful. Right. And when you start losing, you'll figure out why that modern's not like super it's not solvable like this yeah 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 you can't just like look at a matchup table play the best one and then the best one on the table and then just crush everyone right right it's not how it works we also have had the emergence of questing druid in murktide maybe over the murktides maybe over other things this is like an uh this is a Minguchi joint that i think makes a lot of sense and like helps the deck it's an additional threat slash card advantage piece you mostly have to cast seek the beast in response to an opponent's spell because you are playing like three copies of counter spell and some spell snares and some spell pierces so you gotta like give yourself the opportunity to get that value but i think played well like this card makes a lot of sense in that deck yeah i i like the the innovation mm-hmm. i saw that the the price of questing druid like went way up in mototex which is hilarious it just makes you so much better against like scam to have another like 
draw to slash threat in your deck that can help you recover from whatever situation i i think it's really nice yeah and gucci's finally winning at finance <laughs> i hope he bought a lot of questing druids and then got rid of them almost immediately i'm sure he didn't but you know it'd be well, a nice thought i think he won at finance when he won the largest single prize at a magic tournament ever so <laughs> that makes up for every every like buy high sell low situation or buy high never sell situation yeah yeah it does ixalan previews have started I, we should talk about this next week i agree because there's a, there's a lot of really cool like i i followed the preview show today on twitter i didn't like watch the the watsy thing mm-hmm. but they kept spoiling all the cards on twitter especially compared to the previous Ixalan set this oh one looks God, really so much cooler really cool yeah especially since they're doing they're leaning way more into the vibrant colors on just like everyday items like there's a backpack that's like a woven quilt and it looks fantastic mm-hmm. i don't know what that card is because that wasn't spoiled but they spoiled the art and a lot of the art just looks like very good no more black like there's and white an bigger yeah. box topper that is extremely colorful and looks very cool and makes me kind of want to own it even though i haven't played amulet in like <laughs> a year plus and don't really plan to anytime soon you gotta <laughs> but play that card kind of makes like... me want to timeless lotus amulet decks that might that might get you jazzed up for it do you know how much timeless lotus costs ccr god is it i guess this is a commander staple huh all the five color yes. commander decks are running timeless lotus timeless lotus is 12 dollars. well that's not that bad that's 50 dollars for a playset. <laughs> it's like not very good right 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 if you're buying that card for a modern deck you, you want to be paying two dollars for the, your set of them uh, we can do quick hits like Cascade being a part of Ixalan. Is yeah, not not actual Cascade. There's a fixed Cascade that's called Discover. So like if you discover four, you're basically cascading with a mana value four card, but it can be on like a one drop. Yeah, and you're not getting it for like attached to the spell, like a counter spell. It's it's like as an ETB on a creature or whatever. So you can counter yeah. the creature and you don't get the the Cascade quote spell. Uh, I don't know. This seems interesting. I think that like the flip cards until you reveal a spell and then cast that spell is at its heart like a bad mechanic. So they have to have done Ooh, really. Some... I think it's a good mechanic. Okay. I think I that think it's exciting. Yeah. I think the problem. So I I hate Cascade like mm-hmm. with a burning passion. Like this is not a secret. I despise that mechanic. But I only dislike it because it invalidates how the mechanic is intended to be played by min-maxing it for competitive play mm-hmm. where we'll see cards like ardently which is almost literally a textless card played as a four of just so you can get your up the beanstalk and that just yeah, to me is but a, that's a, like a burnt right and that that's a problem with it now with its application in modern but like as it was played in standard it was also not that fun it was just you know Bloodbraid Elf plus I hit a three mana spell, like get a lot of value. Just like hope I randomly hit my Blightning because you don't have any creatures in play. So it would be bad if I hit my Terminate. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I think that like at its baseline, if it's not carefully designed, it's like unfun and like awkward. And so I'm interested to see like what routes they took to make it so that like this this kind of like legendarily unfun mechanic is now something that we actually want to play with and enjoy so because i I feel like they have to have 
the pitch has to have included something that's like, here's how we're making it better this time. And so I'm I'm excited to see like what the result of that is. I don't even think you really need that much of a pitch. Really, the pitch is just the 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 value of the card isn't inherently tied to casting the card no matter what happens or what the text of the card is Mm -hmm. because if you i don't know they they spoiled like a four mana three three right or something like that three two four mana three two that discovers three yeah so it's like a blood raid elf without haste but it also you can tied counter it yeah yeah it's it's you can counter it you can also flicker it so you're getting extra value out of it that way you can't you flicker, flicker it? it. The text of it is oh, if, you, if cast you cast it. it? Yeah. Oh, it's different for each discover yeah. card. So, which I think me. is kind of awkward too, but we'll we'll see. Remains to be yeah. seen. I do like the lands, the cascade. I think those are pretty cool. Mm, the yeah. discover lands. I mean, those are going to it's wild. Like are these the first like you know, first pick common lands that produce a single color like that they're going to be extremely good in limited because like we were like th- you know third picking deserts in Amonkhet limited and like these are better yeah and they're also they have their own subtype too the cave mm-hmm. which apparently has some sort of mechanical tie-in to it yeah we, we, we and we'll get to like the zanier mechanics like craft just being just a wild ride from craft start to finish not, yeah I, I we can't talk about craft right now because i have so many things to say about craft but they reprint a treasure map and everyone loves to see that yes everyone liked that 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 is for sure treasure map perfectly designed magic card yeah reckoner bankbuster could never compete with how loved treasure map is no it can compete with it on power level though reckoner bank buster overperformed my expectations yeah reckoner bank buster it's much treasure map yeah (laughs) treasure map is cool because it makes this sub game where it's like all right my opponent is treasure mapping i gotta like figure this out and i have like two turns to do it reckoner bank buster is just like I don't have my abrade in my hand and I'm not attacking my opponent for four this turn. So I don't know what to do about this situation. <laughs> and also whenever they attack you for four with the bank buster, it's like, oh man. Oh God. Yeah. This is rough. Yeah. <laughs> if I stabilize against this creature without literally killing it, they'll just draw cards. <laughs> yep. Yep. But treasure map. Mwah. A perfect card. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm actually excited for the Ixalan stuff Ixalan's a cool setting which i think they did really poorly in the first time they you know in the set Ixalan and rivals of Ixalan. i think those were pretty bad sets that had like glimmers of really cool world building like all of the flip cards conqueror's galleon searcher's canta all that stuff i think Mm -hmm. those were super cool and evocative and then you just had like mountains and mountains of like bad merfolk pirates and dinosaurs just a lot of two ones for two and stuff that just you didn't care about like if you look at the cards that were playable in Ixalan Standard, it was like Merfolk Branchwalker and Jade Light Ranger, which just basically yeah. <laughs> mechanic. They could be in any set, right? But they're pretty fish, so they're from Ixalan. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also like the vampire stuff was all bad. Like I get the joke of like vampire conquistadors, and it like works as an idea, and then the execution was just like all of these cards are kind of ugly and boring and they take away from my enjoyment of the setting that could be really cool without like, you could just not have them here. 
Yeah, the the dinosaurs and the merfolk were so colorful and cool, mm-hmm. and the pirates and the vampires were just kind of like tacked subtracting on. from all of that. Yeah, yeah, we didn't have to put the white people analogs even like as bad guys or whatever. We didn't have to put the white people analogs into the Mesoamerican inspired setting. You could have just had the Mesoamerican inspired setting, and I think it would have been better for it. Yeah. That they wanted to make it like a type old set, so couldn't have that. Couldn't have that. Man, this yep. is like the second time in a little in days I've complained about original looks along. So <laughs> this, this is getting a little too much. But but now is a, a chance for redemption. We can take the cool ideas from the set and and turn it into like focus on those. And hopefully that's what's happening here. I, I agree. The cards I've seen so far have been like joyful and fun, and I'm I'm really interested in seeing more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until until next week. There's too much. Yeah, too much. We'll hit it hard next week. Because they they did give us a million cards, and I have read the Enigma Jewel like fifty times. I just trying to figure out what it does. The cost to do the thing compared to what you actually get out of it seems to be a wild mismatch to me. We'll 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 go deep on that one. I mean, just any time they have a double sided card. And one, it only has three abilities, but one of them is just like five lines of reminder text. It's like, oh, ooh, we've got a bunker down for this one. <laughs> I also like how the reminder text on the new cascade, like, actually doesn't like, like, if you read the reminder text, you would think that you could cascade into Valky and cast Tybalt, but you you cannot because the rules are basically the same as cascade. But the reminder text really makes it sound like you can cast Tybalt. So exile. Yep, it does. Yeah, it's like reads exactly the same as pre-erotic cascade. Yeah. I don't think it would take that many words to just do it correctly. Yep, whatever. Magic is relying more on more and more on just like knowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or the established players only playing the established sets and anything. Mm-hmm. Like this is something I've noticed in magic as a trend. And maybe I should have complained about this earlier when I was complaining about Watsi. <laughs> But they kind of lean on established players, mostly playing the like standard sets. So they don't have to explain as much because they're not trying to draw in players with like the established standard sets. Right. That's what the established players are for. They're going to know what the cards are. Yeah. And in the commander product, which is usually what they're the new players are coming in and picking up for the first time because they're the only precons. Mm hmm still aren't catering to them because they use commander as an excuse to make the cards more complex and for multiplayer and challenging because yeah. it doesn't go standard right it just goes yeah. straight to legacy the amount of text on cards is definitely continues to be at an all-time high and it's just like where are the simple cards now like wh- where are we doing that and it's just not happening <laughs> yeah but uh, in the big scheme of things like that one doesn't affect me in any particular way because I am enfranchised, but yeah, I, I do get the the cost of that is real. I think it's funny that they've cut the core set completely, so now that they don't have any simple like cards to teach people, bring in new players to do anything with. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't working, like who knows? But the fact is they just don't have simple sets anymore. And then now they're using universes beyond to attract non-magic players with like other properties that they like mm-hmm. to start playing magic. Like Lord of the Rings sold extremely well because it was Lord of the Rings. Yeah. 
but I don't know how many people like bought packs of Lord of the Rings and then wanted to play magic, you know? Right. And that's right. Then that's my concern, obviously, with like Marvel and stuff is like how much of this is actually bringing magic players, which I don't even know how much I want to play with the people who are coming in because it's Marvel specifically like I, I don't know that that is going to improve my magic playing experience but yeah a lot a lot of this card buying is going to just be like cards that disappear from the magic ecosystem because they're they're not being bought for the same purposes we would buy these cards for anyway i think we've discoursed enough yeah with the discourse love to discourse love to discourse can't get enough of it good old discourse yeah so you know that's magic this week we didn't even really talk about Ixalan that much, but we will in the future because I'm actually jazzed for it. Yeah, yeah. It also okay. helps that there's like a lot of cards I want to cube with now that Ixalan <laughs> has spoiled several of them, <laughs> including some Jurassic Park ones. Like the some of the Jurassic Park cards they spoiled today were super cool. Yeah, I, I haven't gotten a chance to look at too many of those, but I will I'll be studied up by next week when we come back to it. There's literally a one man artifact that imprints a creature card and just makes colossal dreadmaw versions of that creature card. Oh, yeah. It makes six sixes <laughs> from the DNA. Yeah, yeah. That card is cool. I, I like that card a lot. It's neat. All right. Well, Lee, thank you for uh, engaging about universes beyond with me against all your better judgment. Yeah. You, you said we were going to do it, and I said no. And you said, yep. And then yeah, I got suckered in. Mm-hmm. That, that, that always happens. It was a dastardly plan. <laughs> I, we, I, I think we know each other too well to think that anything else would happen would have happened today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you want to catch the stream live, catch podcast recording live, we do it Tuesday evenings on twitch.tv slash CCR underscore grindcast. I'm also, you know, just streaming several days a week. Most mostly scam and living end, but we'll move on. We'll play some pioneer in a minute because I'm I'm about to have to start preparing for regionals. Yeah, that's it for us. Thanks everyone. Have a great week. Bye.